Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Thank you, everyone, for joining me on the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne. I'm back here today with my new friend, Sovan Penn. Uh, he is a counselor in Portland, and we just were chatting before we pressed record, and we found out that we actually have quite a bit of overlap in our past. So we both went to Western Seminary. Um, Sovan went to the Portland campus, which is the main campus, and I went to the San Jose campus, but it turns out we know some of the same people. So welcome. Can you introduce yourself a little bit? Yes. Uh, so my, my name is Sylvan Penn. I've been here in Portland uh, since 1992. I moved up from Southern California, and I thought I was going to be here for a year, uh, but as things happen when you go to Bible school, like I met my wife there, yeah. and uh, and so we've settled here. And I've got uh, three kids. Uh, two of them are out of the house and our daughter is a senior in high school. So we're going to be empty nesters here pretty soon. Yeah. And uh, I, I love doing individual and couples counseling here mm -hmm. in town. And half of the week I work for Kaiser Permanente and HMO out here on the West Coast and mm -hmm. uh, as a health coach. So I have lots of conversations with people about their healthy habits nice. and uh, at their emotional health. Yeah. And then the other half of the week, you're working in a counseling center? Yes. And uh, a New Day Counseling Center is on the campus of Western Seminary. Okay. And uh, I, I help out a little bit sometimes with uh, the classes uh, on campus. Oh, fun. Lo love doing that. Yeah, that's yeah. a great opportunity. So I invited you here, Savon, because... Uh, I mentioned this to you. You have a, a social media presence, uh, like you're hanging out there a lot. You said just kind of for the social connection, but some of the things that you've posted, I've noticed that I think you and I are talking about the same things <laughs> and mm -hmm. especially in regards to church hurt. So right now we're in a series about church hurt and I'm asking for a lot of different perspectives from uh, I shared my own story. I'm interviewing other therapists and pastors, and that's all going to be part of the series right now. So I just wanted to invite you to talk to me about it because I think we can have a really good conversation about this. And one of the problems with church hurt is that we don't know who to talk to about it once we've kind of um, had that wound in our church family. So mm, yes. you ready? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to, to talk about because in our different positions or roles, it affects us differently in each of those different roles. Um, I think as counselors, like we're working with, with Christian and non-Christian clients. And so we, we put on our, our therapist hat mm -hmm. and kind of see things through mental and or emotional and spiritual health. Yeah. Um, but then just as, individuals as members of churches we have to put that hat take that hat off and we're like members of the church and and how 
uh, church leadership and church health and relationships go, it, it affects us personally, not just professionally. Yeah. Um, and it, it affects us as parents too. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a lot. Yeah. That's one of the things I noticed that if there's something that you're really walking through in your personal life, mm-hmm. sometimes you're not ready to be somebody's counselor about that thing. <laughs> And that's definitely happened in the last year as more and more people are walking through church hurt. I think maybe just because of the shakeup of the pandemic and churches changed over the last year and or so that uh, there's people that are coming to me that want to talk about this and I want to talk about it with them. And yet it's painful for me too. When you're in the middle of it. Yeah. yeah. Graduated 15 years ago, but uh, you know, internships two years before graduating, have been talking to uh, people about being in church communities here in Portland mm-hmm. for, for years. And so I, I would say uh, talking and work, walking with people through their church experiences was, was first. And then we've had our own kind of situations mm-hmm. with a church. And then as our kids grew up, yeah. uh, then it's like, oh, like this is not just for other people. This is like our story too. It's a different um, layer. Yeah. What would you say you learned from the time that you were just walking with people and you hadn't experienced it to now that you have experienced it and you still continue to walk with people? Yeah. Yeah. Early on. So m- mid nineties, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, going through, starting to go through grad school, um, at, at, for a, pastoral degree, church leadership degree, and then eventually a counseling degree, uh, have always been interested in church leadership and healthy church leadership and um, healthy small group ministry. Because for I'm passionate about small group ministry for the last 20 years um, and doing that well and making sure that small groups are safe uh, for for people. Um, So I, I would say maybe just some of the things I've learned is uh, it finding your own identity and owning your, your faith and, and your beliefs. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a normal part of growing into adulthood. And it's, it's something that most people or a lot of people go through. And um, there was a popular uh, book, uh, blue like jazz, uh, mm-hmm. written by Donald Miller. And, uh, it, you know, it, he, he was here in Portland as he's writing about that Reed college and, uh, being a part of a church community here. So a lot of people resonated with that. And a lot of millennials, um, in, in Portland, uh, that he gave voice to their, their journey of trying to find, uh, uh, like the, the way they express or follow Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, there, there's a fundamentalist old school. I'll, I'll just speak straight. I'll just yes. <laughs> lay it out there. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the old school conservative Baptist, and I'll, and I'll say that cause I'm a pastor kid from a Baptist uh-huh. Uh, you know, my dad was a Baptist, uh, uh, went to Baptist seminary. Um, it's, uh, it, it's kind of evolved f- from, from the old school way 
of doing church, mm -hmm. um, kind of the, the legalistic uh, rules and culture um, and ex expectations on people. This dynamic or tension of people trying to find their their way um, and, and differentiate and individuate from their family of origin. Hopefully mm -hmm. that's not too counselor psychobabble, <laughs> um, uh, but really own their, their faith. It's not just the disillusionment of the political situations in, in the in culture and climate in the last five years. Yeah, this is, you know, we've been doing this for decades. I, I think it's harder because the pandemic has isolated us trying to go through this, navigate mm -hmm. this. Like you said, you, you, you wanted to talk about this. Um, in the old days, you have prayer meeting, <laughs> or go to Bible study and, you know, have conversations in people's living rooms about what's hard mm -hmm. with, with, with family. But I, I think uh, just the busyness of our lives disconnects us, makes it harder to have these conversations. So when we do have the conversations, it's social media posts that are like polarizing. Yeah. You know, so. and, and if you're like me and you're like a a church person. I mean, I've been in church since I was two weeks old, you know? <laughs> and so you really like your social circle and really your sense of family. Like we've been small group leaders for 20 years. Like we are, our church people are our people, you know? And so if there becomes some kind of fracture in the church relationship, like who would you invite into your living room to talk about it? <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. the people that you trust are the people that you're starting to have a problem with just like in therapy when we have somebody that is having family issues they have to come and hire us as counselors uh, that's an outside person to hear what's mm -hmm. going on in the family and, and maybe we help them but in church it's like there's a different layer like I, I had to find a counselor who had herself been a pastor's wife and gone through some church hurt for me to feel like somebody would get it you know yeah yeah. And, and I guess, um, you know, I'm on social media, not just for fun um, <laughs> and to, to, to hang out. Um, I think that uh, objectivity um, it is something that has been helpful. I really do think friends on, on social media, people I haven't met in person are some of my closest friends and safest friends. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I feel the same. I actually listened to another podcast that talked about virtual friendship mm -hmm. and how you can actually have successful friendships with people who you've never met in person. And that that's been true for me. And yet there's still something about having like a tribe that's local that can walk into your house and open your refrigerator. And <laughs> you need both, I think. Yes. Yes. And that's, one thing I'm grateful for. So we changed churches, our family around Easter of this year. It's a church that last year during the, the shutdown, we would watch services online okay. and uh, just appreciated uh, the messages and the, and kind of the culture and uh, their, their values and, and, and mission. Mm -hmm. And so it just resonated with us. And um, so we, we made a change and it's, it's hard because in the 27, I think 27, is it 27? Yeah. 27 years of marriage. 
my wife and I, we've probably changed churches like three or four times. So it, it, we kind of have this thing where we like make a change every seven, eight years. Hmm. And the seven year know, itch, huh? <laughs> right. So part of me is like, it, it, it's me. It must be me. Right. It's not the church. It's like there's something, uh, you know, some avoidant attachment problem with, with, with me or something. <laughs> Sounds like you need a therapist. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, so I, I have mixed feelings about making changes with church because I've, we've definitely been part of the small church plant where I wanted to teach the kids that we commit to church and we're loyal and we stick through hard things and we don't just go to church because of what we get out of it mm -hmm. and, and for our benefit, but we sacrifice and do hard things. And, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we set up chairs in the middle school gymnasium mm -hmm. uh, and don't have like the church building for, for years. And, and that's fine mm -hmm. um, because we're being a part of what God, wants us to do yeah. <laughs> all the messages from being a pastor's kid and missionary kid right, right? <laughs> <laughs> we sacrifice um but then part of me is wait like church should feel like family too and should be safe mm -hmm. and the life also life is short too mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily more spiritual to be under stress and uh, in pain uh, in your church community. Wait, say that again. <laughs> right? Like it's not necessarily more spiritual to be under stress and in pain. In pain. And part of me is like life is too short to be in an unhealthy or like negative church culture or home. Yeah. If it doesn't, especially if it doesn't feel like home. Yeah. You know. I know people who go to church for 10 years and do not feel known or feel like they have friends. Yeah. And they go to church because they think it's the right thing to do, but they're not deeply known and they're still struggling with the same patterns and um, issues. Mm -hmm. and, and going to church has not healed them from their upbringing. Yeah. You know, I want us to do better discipleship, not just for church growth and numbers. Mm -hmm. But don't just go through the motions and attend church because you're supposed to. Are, are we helping people live the life that God wants for them deeply? It's, we're, we're all searching for love and acceptance and uh, a real, uh, real transformation and growth spiritually. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it, church is hard. So if, if you're going to do it, it's, it's, it's gotta be real <laughs> and, and, and genuine, but there's so many things that can go wrong. So I'm, I'm curious. And, um, like when you, when you think of church hurt, like what are some of the, like the things that, that like cause that, um, like with your clients or, mm -hmm. um, or, or even with your family or friends, mm -hmm. Well, if I could just start personally, I think that when my pastors left, it felt very abrupt. And my first thoughts were, if I had known they were struggling like this, I would have done something 
differently. I would have stepped in. I would have offered more support. I would have made sure they got sabbatical or that they got counseling or they got something. There was something not right in our system that caused them to leave so abruptly. To get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was my first uh, response, which was really like, I, I love these people and I want to have compassion and I want to understand what's going on. And then I moved through several other stages of grief, you know, <laughs> uh, and anger and, and feeling betrayed and feeling abandoned and feeling um, all sorts of things. But mm-hmm. I, when I talk to clients, I'm trying to think if I can crystallize this a little bit down to one or two themes, because there are different things that go on that cause church hurt. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that can happen is people just not feeling seen and understood. And if you put your hopes in, in a person, because that person is supposed to be your shepherd and is supposed to be the one that points you to Jesus. And then you get disappointed because your needs weren't met in some way or your expectations weren't met, that's going to cause hurt. Yeah. 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 You know, very often people leave churches because they say they haven't been fed. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But I really think it's that people mostly leave because they feel like they haven't been cared for. Yeah. And I you know, I, I don't want to be too hard on pastors because discipleship and, and shepherding mm-hmm. people is very hard mm-hmm. with, uh, again, like how busy we are, but the, we, we've got so much trauma or hurts from our own families growing up. We put like expectations on church and then we, we we get hurt or disappointed. And I think people get hurt in church because they have expectations for relationships and leaders. They don't even realize that they had until they've been hurt. Yeah. Because we think uh, Christians should do better than non-Christians. And if you're (laughs) a pastor, you're like a professional Christian, you must be better at this than the rest of us. And it turns out that a lot of pastors aren't. Yeah. Well, the, 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 they aren't and they also like don't have the time yeah to to do everything mm-hmm. um and so it's it it's hard that's why small group ministry is so great mm-hmm. um uh but yeah though the, the way we uh, i should i'm saying uh, too too general like I'm, i was about to say the way we do church well <laughs> we, we do tr- you know every church does things differently but there are some things in the american evangelical way of doing church just with the weekly rhythm and like the types of meetings and mm-hmm. um uh that are like events like you know going to church um but it's different than having like a mentoring and discipling relationship, yeah. you know, like spiritual formation yeah. um, and, and really helping people through life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I'd say that's been on my heart a lot lately, even just in the last week is that is discipleship happening and is it happening in my church? Is it happening in other churches in my area? And if mm-hmm. so, how is it being done? And, 
and could it be better? And because that's really the goal, right? Make disciples, not just make church attenders. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've always wanted church to feel like family and, and home yeah. and, and for people to feel like they belong. So I think one of the the main things that hurts people with church is when they don't feel like they belong or they don't under, uh, they're not accepted and and very often it's mental health stuff and like special needs stuff Mm -hmm. with families. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think the way church leadership handles folks that struggle with depression and anxiety or autism um, is, is so important. I know so many families and people that do not attend church because of anxiety mm-hmm. and, and feeling rejected. Yeah. And I, I don't, um, I have ideas, but I don't have the answers, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. So that- I don't think I shared this with you, but the, the role that I left in the church previously was the director of small group ministry. Like that was my job. Mm. And before that I'd worked at a big church in the small group ministry. And before that I had been, you know, a small group leader in college and early marriage, like small groups are kind of my bread and butter in terms of Mm. like ministry areas to focus. And I do honestly believe that more change and transformation happens in groups, small groups than anywhere else in the church. Like Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about that. So we're speaking the same language on this. And so Mm -hmm. how to make groups successful is really important. And one of the things that happened when we did decide to leave our church a couple months ago is that our group, our small group that we were leading, they're like, well, we don't want to stop coming to your house on Sundays. (laughs) And and we, we still want to be friends, nothing changes. We still want to worship with you and we still want to pray with you and eat dinner with you. And our small group was there making us feel like we still belonged, even when we knew we didn't belong in that local church setting anymore. Mm -hmm. So you're still figuring it out. (laughs) Yeah. How to do the relationships. Yeah. And like we left the church in our new church. My son wanted to get baptized. And so I just let our small group members know, Hey, he's getting baptized. And half of the group showed up at the new church where they don't even go. (laughs) And that was really special to us. And, um, and yet we want to make connections at the new church. So last week we signed up for a new small group and we sat in somebody else's living room And then we thought, wow, how many years has it been since the small group wasn't in our living room and we weren't the leaders of it? You know, it's a totally different experience. What was that like? It was different, Uh, like just showing up and not having to clean the house. And, you know, (laughs) my house is really dirty right now because I'm not leading the small group right now. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the last church that we were with, we were, uh, we were there seven years left to be a part of a church plant mm-hmm. for seven years. Mm-hmm. And then we were back at the other church for seven years. Oh. And then now, so the, the, uh, our friends, our family, our church family uh, at our, our last church, they, they've seen our kids grow up. 
um, you know, we've known these folks for 20 plus years. So we still love them and we're, we're still friends. Um, so it, it's, it's weird. Um, and the one, one thing that helps is to really have a sense, strong sense that like, uh, God, God is in the change and, and God has something new for us. And I think a little bit of like my ability to, to, to leave and then also like connect deeply, hopefully with, uh, new people and other people is just from growing up, moving a lot as a missionary kid um, and a pastor's kid that, you know, it's a blessing and a curse though, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so honestly, it's hard not to like second guess and have self doubt. So that's being mindful of like, why are we doing what we're doing Mm -hmm. in this season of life in this next chapter? And like, kind of what is like the, the, what are we sensing that is our calling to make this change? Why is this a good change? Mm -hmm. Um, And not just change because we're avoiding conflict or we're running away from hard things. Mm -hmm. Um, And is this really the best decision? Um, Having said that, if anybody's listening, I, I wouldn't say like, oh, I have to make sure it's the best decision before I leave and make a change because so many people, especially if they're being hurt, if they're struggling with anxiety and overthinking things, they're going to like, Oh, I can't make a change because Mm -hmm. I don't know what's next. And I'm afraid I'm going to be hurt or rejected at the new place. At least this isn't great, but at least it's familiar Mm -hmm. and people stay too long yeah, and stay stuck in in those types of situations too long. Yeah. I would say the decision to leave a church that we had been firmly planted in for years and years had was one of the more excruciating things we ever did. And having those conversations with people that had become like family to us over the years to say like, we're leaving and here's roughly why and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus while we're having those conversations and be sensitive right. to them. And yes. um, that was extremely hard, but the moment that that was done and we found our new place, I felt such a lift of the burden. You know, mm. I felt freedom for the first time in a long time. That's great. Yeah. The, fe- the feeling of when your pastors decided to leave, right. It felt ab- abrupt. And, and so you knew how that felt. I'm wondering if you were concerned about your friends feeling that same way about you leaving yeah, and ca- caring about how they f- would feel over the years in the church and feeling like a core part of the church, you know, people will come and go. And I always noticed that when people were a regular part of the church, and then all of a sudden they weren't, if they were gone for a week, you're, you think, Oh, they must have a sick kid or on the vacation or something like that. And then they're gone for two weeks. And then you think, well, that's a little weird, but okay. And then they are gone for another week. Then you start thinking, what's going on here. And for the most part, when families would leave in those kinds of situations and never say anything, there was always that part of you that kind of wondered, but I would also get my feelings hurt, not because I was personally 
like their best friends or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But because the church is my family, you can't just like abandon my family without saying anything. So yeah. <laughs> when it came yeah. to us leaving, the people that we made sure we had conversations with was the pastoral team, as well as the people in our small group. And we met with each of them individually or in couples if they were married. And we talked through our reasons and if they needed to know, we gave them information that if they weren't that interested, we didn't do the labor of sharing with them everything that we were going through. And um, the people I think appreciated knowing that this was a a prayerful decision and that we didn't like the idea of leaving them, but we knew that God was removing us from that situation. Two significant reasons we've made a change is just how the, the church uh, youth group was, was going. Mm -hmm. And um, the the church plant that we were part of probably 80, 90% of the attenders were like under 30 for the first five years. And most of the kids were under eight. (laughs) So there was no youth group. Uh, Probably now they probably have over a hundred, 150 kids in their youth group. I'm sure (laughs) oldest daughter, she, she didn't really have a youth group going through high school Mm. and our son's four years younger. And we just felt like, yeah, it would probably be better for JJ or my son and, and our youngest to, to be a part of a church that has more of a youth group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was probably the main reason we made that, that, cha- that change. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it was, it was great. Uh, it was so helpful. Um, uh, youth pastor, Micah, he, he's such a great leader and um, youth pastor. And so that, so, so sometimes we make changes where it's not because of church hurt or unhealthy leadership, mm-hmm. but it still hurts. Mm-hmm. It's still hard to leave uh, r- relationships um, that, that you've invested so much in. Mm-hmm. And even though you're around town and you're like, oh, hey, you know, we're, you know but it's different. Yeah. It's different when you change. That was the, one of the reasons too, that we left, uh, my daughter starting middle school and it had been a couple of years since she even had another kid that was the same age as her in children's ministry. She was the right. oldest one there. Yeah, We knew that going into sixth grade, she would join the youth group and she would be the youngest one. There were no other sixth grade girls entering the youth group and she would the, the seventh, eighth, ninth, all the high schoolers, they already had relationships formed and we didn't want mm. her to be the new kid coming in the youngest one and try to break into those little groups. So we had to find really a big determinant of where we ended up was, do they have a good youth group? And is it big enough that she can find her people? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we're, uh, we went through that with yeah. our our, our eldest, mm-hmm. Catherine, she was four years older than all the kids in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now we're doing again with our youngest, who's eight years uh, younger. And, um, and now a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And, but it's definitely different because we've just gone through a year and a half of pandemic. 
-hmm. as adults, I, I feel like we have more resources to get our relational needs met and kind of um, navigate the imperfections of church. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like a year or two of youth group experience that can really shape like how a person feels about church. Yeah. Like, and it can influence their adulthood. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, so when youth group is great, it's great. And when it's bad, mm -hmm. like, you know, the, it's significant. It's important decision. We're both kind of in this season of life where um, we're, we're um, settling into new situations. Mm -hmm. um, how do you feel about, about the, the two, two areas? And, okay. and, and you can be careful with this. So how has pandemic affected people's experiences with church? And how has the politics affected Oof. that? Because <laughs> that, that, that's kind of the, the main thing I'm talking to people about. Yeah. Oh, and it must be really, I'm guessing that it's different from Portland to where I live in a kind of suburban area of Southern California, an yeah. hour away from San Diego or LA. So it's not, it's not like the metropolitan area, you know? So uh, pandemic, what I notice is, uh, and my friend will, keeps telling me God's doing a sifting. And I think when people didn't get to go to church in person, just like so many other things that are, uh, routines got shaken up and we started doing church and jammies on the couch with pancakes. <laughs> and then uh, you got kind of out of the rhythm of doing church. And then what also happened is it became a little bit easier to change if you needed to change. So people, mm. people who weren't that serious about uh, continuing their discipleship or their actual like learning and worshiping God, like they didn't find as much need for church once they were out of the habit. And then people who maybe realized that their church wasn't quite right for them are switching churches and looking for something else. Now, I think that also is influenced by your second area, like the political area. What happened is a lot of people are either saying their pastor is too political or their pastor is not political enough. And so they either want to hear more about um, whether it be like race in, in the spring of 2020 to vaccines in the spring of 2021, like whatever it is, election in between that, like mm. they either want to hear more about that or they want to hear nothing about that. Let's just stick to the Bible, you know? Mm. And so I think those, those areas really made the church have kind of a shakeup. Like people, and we're the two of us are not the only ones that are trying out new churches in this moment. <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that pressure to, to make everybody happy. Mm. Um, I, it's just been so hard on yeah. pastors. Yeah. Um, and, and discouraging usual, the usual um, weight and responsibility of church leadership is is hard and burnout and discouragement are, are always a challenge but add on top of this all of that mm -hmm. um it's yeah the that that's why uh, or that's one reason why i think discipleship and sharing the the load of 
of loving people in the congregation has to be distributed to to everybody in the church to do their part um, and not put it all on the pastor to be that the the best friend or yeah. the safe person yeah. um, uh, because yeah you're like we're gonna be disappointed in our imperfect leaders mm -hmm. when they're when they're human mm -hmm. you know and uh yeah it's it, it's so hard because a, a little bit what, I, what i'm saying is you don't have too high of expectations for your leaders mm -hmm. but then the, the sometimes the, the the pendulum swings to like have too low mm. and then like so then you don't engage or trust yeah. or you like you're guarded and and you don't like uh commit mm -hmm. and and open up because it's like oh like pastor can't handle me and like my story or yeah. or is too busy so then again i just kind of show up on sunday and attend mm -hmm. a church service mm -hmm. but not really be actively engaged in the, the life of the church and the community of the church yeah. um yeah and Christian counselors do have a place in that equation too. Like sometimes mm. what you're going through is going to be more than your pastor can shoulder at the moment. Mm. Cause he's got 300 other people or whatever. Yeah. And sometimes those situations are going to be where you do need to call a counselor who also loves Jesus. That's going to walk with you through some of those deeper personal familial or uh, spiritual issues. Mm. So there's a place. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I kind of mention that every, t every episode. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, w when I uh, was in training to be a counselor, I mm -hmm. thought like, Oh, like I'll be become a counselor and then hopefully like be on staff at the church and like handle the pastoral counseling stuff. And then I learned about dual relationships yeah. and ethical things and like, Oh, th then how am I going to do this? Like, yeah. Um, so emotional health in the life of the church has always been important to me, but yeah. like learning about how to do the boundaries of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also just being in, involved in small group ministry is kind of the way to kind of yeah. do that okay. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now there was one question I was going to ask you just about, um, people who place their identity in, in maybe their role in church instead of um, their role in the kingdom of God or their, their, their identity as a daughter or son of, of God, yeah. that, that, that this transition can be more painful when you've done that. Yes. Yeah. Because you can feel very lost mm -hmm. when we uh, are in a role uh, in, in church, uh, kind of have a job. There's lots of feedback about, am, am I doing what I should be doing? Mm -hmm. If, if you're certain Enneagram type, like being helpful, <laughs> you know, uh, being helpful or successful or, you know, what, um, uh, it, it feels good to mm -hmm. kind of be in the, that, um, that mode, mm -hmm. uh, but when it gets taken away, 
then it really, we're really faced with what am I uh, placing my security and joy and identity mm-hmm. and belonging in, you know, healing from hurt as a solution isn't necessarily to, to like not feel hard things or, or to just be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think healing from hurt, it is more that it, there's coming to a place of peace mm-hmm. and acceptance um, and, and still trusting, still hope being hopeful and, and still having faith in God and seeing, still being hopeful about church and relationships and not being cynical Yeah, because we connect and, and become a part of a church body and it's God's design for us to live the life of faith in relationship with other people. And then something happens and we're hurt. And so we pull back from the pain of being in the connection and trusting people. But then when we pull away, we're isolated. And, and that's not the solution. No, doesn't solve the problem. No, Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're kind of like, we have distance and, and, pull away from maybe someone who's hurtful or, mm-hmm. but, but we can't, we can't stay there. Mm-hmm. So trying to find the, the acceptance or forgiveness mm-hmm. or finding a way to reconcile. Uh, unfortunately, you can't just read one, one book or listen to one <laughs> podcast to make it all better. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be with being able to talk about it and tell the story. (laughs) That's why I'm glad we're talking about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is good for the two of us to talk about it and maybe some other people are blessed by the conversation and maybe encouraged to talk about it, whether that's with just a a friend or with a counselor or a pastor, even Um, I think you know, part of my experience over this last year has been going from having like a role and a title and, and being an Enneagram three, being pretty excited about having a title (laughs) that as silly as that sounds like, that's just part of the way that God made me that I, I like to have those accomplishments and had the recognition for the accomplishments. And so going from that to not knowing what my role was to now in a new church, actually taking it on as a discipline to mm-hmm. not have a role and to not serve in every need that I, I can see, cause I can see needs and I can see how my gifting would help with these certain needs. And that's not where God has me right now. I'm, I'm purposely mm-hmm. taking a time out to work on the ministry of my clients, this podcast and my family. <laughs> you know? Nice. That that's kind of the assignment right now. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And it kind of makes me want to barf because I, really would like to have a role at church and I'd like to be in the inner workings of church, but that's not, I have to wait. God told me I have to wait. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really good. And <laughs> for, for, for people um, going through a church hurt, um, leaving a, a church, I definitely encourage them to do what you're doing mm-hmm. and to not necessarily jump into the, just the next ministry leadership position. Or yeah. a place to serve, um, to, to to give themselves permission to heal and rest, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're burned out, mm-hmm. um, and 
and kind of clear your, your heart and your spirit out. Yeah. I, I, I forgot. I think I was, it was, I think it was one of Annie Downs's books. Okay. Where she talks about like a jar with like, like, uh, like pond water, like mm. all the dirt and, and it's just kind of murky mm-hmm. and that just letting it sit still and let it get all settled so that it's clear. Mm-hmm. I think it's, um, uh, we, it definitely helps to resolve your, your issues. Um, mm-hmm. if you change churches, especially if you were in leadership, cause that, that kind of helps you purify your motives. Yeah. Um, for sure. and, and, he- and heal the hurts, um, and, and grieve the disappointments, mm-hmm. um, and, and the loss. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'll, I'll share this. The uh, first run through as a, an, an elder, uh, learn a lot of lessons. Um, I'm actually gun shy to like aspire to, to do it again. Mm-hmm. Even though my, like my wife has a, encouraged me over the years. Um, uh, it's hard. It's hard to be a pastor and, and elder. Mm-hmm. Um, and the... I mean, I, I got to the point where like I would dread elder meetings, um, for, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And, um, being, if I had a do over, like it'd be braver to, to talk about what wasn't working for me, um, mm-hmm. and why it was hard. Kind, kind of like what you described, like, like all of a sudden your, your, your pastor's deciding to, to, to discontinue. It's kind of, um, you know, being more open and honest about how we are all feeling mm-hmm. about how things are going mm-hmm. er- earlier, it c- can help so much, I think, with, with, with church hurt, yeah. you know, open, honest communication, but trust n- needs to be the foundation of that. Mm-hmm. And, and if we're, if we're not being honest, if, if, if we're hiding, and only showing parts of ourselves, then that needs to be addressed mm-hmm. in, in a church culture. The more we can commit to that individually as individuals or families, then that's how we can influence the, the church, even if we're not in leadership, mm-hmm. about inviting other people to share their stories and be more open and honest. And hopefully that's how we can love and care for each other better. There's like a whole other spinoff episode here about emotional health in church, huh? <laughs> I, I almost want, <laughs> if I had more time, I wish it could like switch. And then I yeah. interview you for my podcast. Will we do that next time? Okay. I, I, I still really would love to, to interview Yan about okay. the work that you do. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm game for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like, um, there's a lot of, a lot more places we could go with this, right? This is a conversation that is by no means over, but I do want to be mindful of people's time. So I'm going to ask you our wrap up question, which is what are you doing now for soul care? So lately I'm, I'm starting to think about, uh, writing more. Yeah. Uh, and have kind of put that on, on hold, not just reading and consuming, but, but writing and taking the time to just kind of processing what I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that's definitely helpful. 
Are you talking about writing in a journal or are you, is there a book coming out for us? <laughs> well, the, so I, I wrote a book probably four years ago, four okay. and a half years ago now that um, is dormant Oh, <laughs> and um, uh, on, on, on parenting. And so um, kind of picking that back up mm-hmm. um, and, and, and I'd love to write a book about counsel, uh, counseling uh-huh. um, and, and marriage too. Yeah. yeah. Great. I can't wait to see that come to fruition. It is though, it is like a discipline, right? Like writing just to get in the flow of writing and to process your own thoughts and feelings and what God's saying to you. And then a different kind of writing for other people to read. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you're taking care of yourself that way. And I just want to thank you for starting out this conversation with me and hopefully there's more opportunities for collaboration down the road, but thanks for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you, Anne. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.